This is the Nourishing Nutrition Podcast, and my name is Eleanor Dooley. I created this podcast to inspire, empower, and advocate for your best self. I combine current nutritional research with the practicalities of living your life, giving you real nutrition talk in bite-sized pieces. Please remember that I am a licensed dietitian nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. I am not a medical doctor, and by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you might be having. everybody and welcome to the nourishing nutrition podcast i am eleanor dooley your host and today i got a spark of inspiration because i wanted to talk about food and more importantly how do we get support from food why is nutrition such a big deal when we're talking about our health now this is kind of an obvious thing we know we need food to stay alive and we know we need food for energy but Beyond that, most people haven't really made the connection between what food and the ingredients in food, what they're doing inside the body. So I thought I'd take this episode and break down really the ingredients of food and the ingredients of nutrition. I wanted to start by talking about how food helps you deal with stress. Being that this is the holiday time and things do get stressful, our hormones are really responsible for how we feel, how we cope with stress, how we deal with stress, how we run from stress, any of the things that we're doing in our day, our hormones are basically in charge. And it's important to note that we have to fuel our hormones because if we don't fuel them or we fuel them with nutrients that they don't need or aren't appropriate, then that's when they start adapting. And when our hormones adapt for us, it's not always the outcome that we want. That's what we're going to dive into today. So if that has piqued your interest at all, I want you to stay tuned to make the connections between the nourishment in our food and how we feel. I did want to take a moment to announce that the Hormone Happiness Project, which is my exclusive signature group program that includes functional testing, we are launching in the new year. I am getting ready to announce the launch, which will be the 23rd of January. Now, There's quite some time between now, at least when I'm recording this, and the 23rd of January, because I want to give this enough time to soak in. We get so consumed with all things holidays and food, the presents, the shopping, the time off work, the busy time at work, and all of the ins and outs of things that go on inside our lives in the months of December and January. So starting a project at the end of January seemed like a perfect time to get settled, get refocused, and really dig in to some of the root causes that are responsible for the way that you're feeling. Now, this isn't just mood, although mood is, this is, do you wake up with pain? Do you wake up with a headache? Do you wake up with sinus pressure? All of these things I used to have, by the way. Um, PMS, are your periods awful? Do you really not look forward to them? And 
through the day that they come, um, poor sleeping, any joint pain throughout the body, skin issues, acne, back knee, unwanted hair, facial hair, or thinning of scalp hair, just really not feeling good, not feeling confident in your body, not really feeling super womanly, looking in the mirror, not really recognizing yourself or seeing signs of aging. All of those symptoms that I just mentioned is the list that women have told me how they feel when they wake up. Now, if any of those symptoms apply to you, I totally get it because at any given time I had one or more of those symptoms and today I'm still working on completely balancing out how my hormones are nourished and how they're working for me. And inside the hormone happiness project, we start from the foundation and what this means is getting things rebalanced in our everyday life, starting with, are we getting enough to eat? Are we eating the right things? Are we moving our body? Are we hydrating? Are we pooping? The sort of ins and outs that sometimes we take for granted. Sometimes we don't pay that much attention. We want to skip to the part where we get the supplement or we get the pill or we get the magic key to success. And really it starts with making sure all of those ducks are in a row. And then we can look at the hormones. We can look at the state of your adrenal output. We can see how stress affects your body from the moment you open your eyes to the moment you close your eyes to go to sleep at night. And that's what's so cool about the Hormone Happiness Project is even though it's a group program, you get personalized testing. So we go through what is happening in your body. We start with nutrition, then we move to adrenals, and then we dive into the sex hormones. We look at libido. We look at period pain. We look at menopausal symptoms. If any of these areas feel like they are bumpy or tumultuous in your life, it's most likely because the communications between your brain and the other organs in your body that make hormones is off. It doesn't mean they're broken. It just means something's misaligned. And when we can pinpoint the misalignment, we can slowly nudge the body back into that alignment so that your brain is communicating what it needs to communicate. And this is where most women find success in jumpstarting the metabolism, in getting that belly fat, that hip butt by moving the needle on those things that are, that are no longer affected by how much exercise we do or how many calories we consume in a day. Because for many, many decades, as far as I know, changing your calorie intake and working out were really the only two things that were available to us to move the needle with our weight or for quote unquote, getting healthy. And that's why the Hormone Happiness Project is such a dynamic tool because it looks past that. The nutrition module is really only week one in an eight week group program that dives into each of those different hormones that I was talking about, cortisol, estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, any of these hormones that really affect how you feel. And I'm not just talking about getting an answer of, is it high or low? Because it's supposed to be high and it's supposed to be low. So getting a blood test result that says you're good 
you're in range, it's not effective enough. It doesn't give you the information you need to explain the way that you're feeling and to explain the symptoms that you're having. That is why the Hormone Happiness Project was created because I was not getting the answers to the full picture. I was getting bits and pieces of data that were not even strung together. They were, they were given to me in drips and drabs that didn't consistently make sense. And so this project solves that issue. If you've gone to your gynecologist or your primary care doctor and gotten blood work and everything's fine, or they say your thyroid's off and they've given you medication and you're not really feeling that much different, it is most likely because the testing that they did didn't test the things that needed to be tested or they weren't tested in the way that gives us satisfactory information to help us make a change. All of that has changed with the Hormone Happiness Project. We are launching in January. It is time for you to get on the wait list, to get in line, because this is going to be huge this January. I have so many women already interested asking about how it works, how to sign up, and I want to get you on that list. So make sure you go to my website, nourishingnutrition.net. You'll see the tab for the Hormone Happiness Project, and it gives you the information there on how to get more information. So with that, we're going to dive into how food influences your hormones. All right. So today we're talking about the relationship between the nutrients in our food and hormones. Now, that's really kind of a big topic because there's thousands of hormones. So what hormones are we talking about? Well, specifically, we're going to talk about cortisol today because cortisol is quite the hormone. It is responsible for how we cope with stress and the output of our body when we are under stress and the nutrients needed to produce the coping hormone and the priority of your brain to make cortisol over other hormones. This is how our hormones can get imbalanced because our brain has to decide what it wants to make first out of what materials are available. So if you have a suspicion that you have low estrogen or testosterone or DHEA, or if maybe you don't know what the signs of those low hormone output are, if you just suspect something's off, it is most likely because your brain chooses to make cortisol to deal with stress because that's its number one job is to keep you safe. And in keeping you safe, your brain makes cortisol. That is the way that it works. Your body, your adrenals can only make so much cortisol. Like it's not an unlimited supply. So if the demand for more and more and more cortisol, meaning there's stress, there's stressful situations, there's stressful memories you're experiencing. If you experience PTSD, if things are going on that constantly demand cortisol, your brain has a backup plan to keep you safe. The backup plan is it makes body fat because body fat can make extra estrogen and cortisol. Yeah, you heard me. That kind of stinks, right? The more stress that you're under, your brain has to feel safe. Your brain has to know that it can count on the glands in your body to make enough cortisol to meet the demand. And in order to do that, it creates more body fat because body fat is actually its own endocrine gland. So that is kind of a newsflash. 
for those of you that feel that your caloric intake and exercise are really the only thing that are affecting the body fat on your body, because the brain really trumps all of that. And you can kind of understand this if you think about, um, being on a deserted island where all you have access to are, you know, coconuts and, you know, you're, you're, you're in a starvation mode. So many people and research ha has been done about people that have been in starvation modes that their body creates fat to protect them and to preserve their ability to make cortisol. So with that being said, how does food play into how your body makes fat in order to make cortisol? Well, obviously we understand that when we eat junk food, we eat junk fat, processed oils, all of that stuff. We know that's not good for us because the majority of us can eat a meal like that and then really not feel good where it's over um, salted, it's over preserved. There's many artificial flavors and sweeteners and colors and so much overload for our palate and the way that our body tastes and breaks down food. We know that that's not good for us. So I'm not even going to go into that kind of food because we already know that stuff. What I'm going to talk about today is the nutrients that your body needs and favors in making cortisol. So not only does your body have enough nutrients available to meet the cortisol demand, but if it can meet the cortisol demand, it won't have to revert to increasing body fat to meet the cortisol demand. Now this goes hand in hand with actually reducing the demand right? If you are able to reduce the stress, whether it's changing the environment you're in, which we, we all know is not always the possibility, but it's also how you're interpreting the environment that you're in. How are you taking in? How are you reacting to those things and creating a stress response in the body? So it's two factors. It's, do you have enough of the nutrients available to make the cortisol and how much cortisol are you actually asking your brain to make in order to feel safe. So that is the split in the road. We have to reduce the stress. We have to actually reduce the stress. The cortisol response in our body needs to be addressed because hundred percent of the clients I work with and myself included have got to evaluate how our body is perceiving stress. That's a lesson for another day. Today, we're talking about the nutrient side. Now, just so you know, if you've heard the term adrenal fatigue, there's been a lot of sort of upset about what it actually means. Is it real? All of this other nonsense. I'm going to boil it down for you. Your adrenal glands don't actually get fatigued because they do the job that they're designed to do, which is produce cortisol. And there's only so much cortisol that can be made. So if you've reached that max capacity of making cortisol, the adrenal glands aren't actually fatigued. They're not tired of working. They just can't make anymore. Okay. So I'm not going to debate the term. I'm going to say that you are not going to fix your adrenal stress and your cortisol output by simply just changing your diet or changing your diet and adding supplements. Surprise, surprise. If you think that that is going to, it's definitely going to help, but it's not going to fix the problem. And the reason is because the reason for the problem is not the food. It's the way your body's interpreting safety. So until we can adjust that, we're not going to completely be able to live a healthy, balanced, healed life because we will still be 
living in an environment where our body perceives too much stress to meet the demand. So nourishment is really about getting the proper nutrients, minerals, and enzymes from our food to provide your body's ability to make the hormones. So it stands to reason that if we are able to limit the amount of stressors we're introducing into our body, and by stressors, I'm talking about processed foods. I'm talking about toxins. I'm talking about plug-in air fresheners. I'm talking about heavy metals. I'm talking about parasites in unfiltered water. I'm talking about toxins that are constantly surrounding us. If we're able to do our best to minimize those things it is also going to minimize the stress and the cortisol that is needed for us to show up for the day. I'm just going to do a refresher on some of the basics here. These should not be a surprise to any of my listeners because I know you guys are interested in nutrition and either you've been following me for a while or if you're new, um, this is topics very interesting to you. So remember to buy organic foods. Remember to buy non-GMO foods. These are the foods that have the most nutritional value and the least amount of chemical, reduce processed foods, reduce foods with preservatives, any additives, any quote unquote natural flavors. We want to eat food in its natural form. Okay. Now the goal for choosing supportive food would be getting enough. Okay. 99% of the women that I see in my practice are not getting enough nutrients from the food that they're eating. I'm putting myself included in this group because it's hard and we weren't raised to understand that women in our society, at least the way that I grew up, we were taught to eat less and we were taught to not listen to the cues of our body, to deny hunger, to actually curse hunger and to not give ourselves adequate nutrition. And I'm not really sure why I've done a little bit of research. I've done a little bit of interviewing and I, and I really cannot get to the bottom of why society has created this way of thinking, but I know that it's there. Vitamins, minerals, enzymes that are needed for maximum absorption are not the priority in our everyday diet. I'm not sure why that is either. I think it has to do with manufacturers are more interested in advertising and tantalizing our taste buds with artificial flavors and textures and colors in order to sell products. But again, that's a story for another day. Another piece of this is, are we getting adequate hydration? Now, I want to be clear that hydration is not just drinking enough water. Because when I get to this topic with my clients, everybody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I drink tons of water. I drink tons of water. And I said, okay, but are you showing any signs of dehydration? Are you thirsty a lot? How is your urine? Is it yellow? Is it dark yellow? Hydration actually has to do with the electrolyte balance in your body. We're talking about sodium chloride. We're talking about, you know, the salt, we're talking about potassium, we're talking about other minerals that affect if water can actually get into your cell. So drinking tons and tons of water isn't always the key to solving hydration, because we also have to look at foods and drinks that dehydrate us. We have to look at, are we drinking a lot of coffee? Are we drinking a lot of soda, energy drinks? Tea can be dehydrating. Our body naturally detoxes when we urinate, when we sweat and through our stool. So 
If you're not doing those three things every day, then there are some things being left in your body. There's some detoxing that needs to be done. So talking about foods that are good for your liver, we're talking about spinach, we're talking about citrus fruits um, with a lot of vitamin C, lemons, garlic, walnuts, blueberries, almonds, avocados. Those kinds of foods are going to be helpful for your liver because they're going to provide enzymes that your liver needs to pull toxins out of your body, to break them down and to get them excreted. If you're having trouble with constipation, think about the toxins that are in your waist that are sitting inside of your body. It is important to make sure that you're pooping every single day, because if you are not, your body's reabsorbing those toxins while it's sitting in there. So with my clients, the first thing we tackle is constipation. If that's there, because anything I add into your diet, any supplements, any recommendations, anything you do is not going to work if you're not properly processing waste. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about adrenal health, you're thinking about cortisol, all of this hinges on your body being able to get out the toxic waste. So I was talking about supportive superfoods. Organ meats are really the best to support your liver. The, you just cannot replicate that in a supplement. I'm not really a big fan of organ meats um, myself, but some people are. My mom used to make liver and onions for dinner as a kid, and I think it scarred me. But um, shellfish, I love raw oysters, mussels, clams, fatty fish, always get wild caught. Um, you can get wild caught canned salmon as well, sardines, herring, mackerel, trout, anything that's not farmed. We want to stay away from farmed seafood. Also sea salt. So if you get Celtic sea salt or Himalayan sea salt, this is one of the best nutrients that you can have as addition to your food. So there you have it. That is how we can support our hormones through food. And I'm just going to run through a typical day of robust nutrition. And I want you to think of the food that you're eating in your day and see where you could do better or that you're nailing it. So for breakfast, of course, we're looking at proteins, fats, and carbs. For those of you that have been through the ringer with macronutrients, we do want to get these in at every meal. And it can look like something super simple, like oats with hemp seeds and nut butter. Okay. You can make a nice bowl of oatmeal, sprinkle on the hemp seeds and nut butter. You're getting all three. If you eat eggs, eggs, potatoes, and avocado. You can toss the potatoes in avocado oil or olive oil and then have eggs on top. Another option would be no sugar Greek yogurt with a bit of protein powder mixed in and granola on top. So these are easy combinations that most people can identify as breakfast foods and that are pretty simple to put together. Okay. When you're talking about lunch, a lot of people go to salads, sandwiches, or soups because they're easy. They're not super huge meals and they check all the boxes. You can make an arugula with tuna and olive oil dressing with some other veggies of your choice. Perfectly balanced. You could have hard boiled eggs with avocado on romaine, easy salad. Or you can make a bowl. I like to do brown rice with ground turkey and broccoli with a little bit of tamari sauce on top or any combination. If you're going to like a kava or a chipotle, the meat, beans, and rice, any combination of those 
you're hitting all the, all the mark. And for dinner, you can fill in any of the blanks here. We need a protein, a carb, and a fat. So you can get this through soups, through stews, through smoothies, through casseroles, and also elaborate dinners. So it doesn't have to be over the top. It just has to have the nutrients for a well-balanced meal. The reason I think that we typically gravitate to three meals a day is because it gives us three opportunities to get robust nutrients in through our day. For those that eat two meals a day, you'd have to eat a meal and a half amount of nutrients to get in what you need on a daily basis to keep your hormones happy. In the Hormone Happiness Project, you not only get the meal plans with recipes and really how to detail this food for yourself, but you also get the information about your body of, are you not detoxing? Well, do we need to spend more time on figuring out how to support your liver and how to get these nutrients in through the day? So it's a really great opportunity to get the information, but to implement it and really make it work for you. I hope this was a helpful episode for you guys. I love hearing your feedback. Please be sure to subscribe and follow me on Instagram and leave a review because it's really the only way I can tell if you're getting this information. If you are interested in learning more about me, my practice, and my programs, you can follow me on Instagram at your.hormone.nutritionist. You can follow my Facebook group, Happy Hormones and Tamed Inflammation, or visit my website at nourishingnutrition.net. Check out my free resources by subscribing to my newsletter and following this podcast. See you next week for a brand new episode.